Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It is wonderful to be back on. We're in, uh, we're in deep. We're talking about the Vanguard VAS ETF, Australian Shares Index Fund ETF. Uh, sounds exciting. Yes. Well, it's one of the most popular ETFs around and it's- Some might say the pop- most popular. The most popular. Well, we've got some stats later that might illuminate that a little bit more. Yes. Uh, popular amongst males and females. Thanks to our partners at Perla. We've got some data on who actually owns this ETF as well. So, not just what it is, but who owns it. And uh, we can talk about probably how they're using it. Yeah. And I guess in this episode, it's just part of our every month we do a look into a share or an ETF that's popular with our community or requested. Uh, we get emails via um, our podcast at ras.com.au email address. So, feel free to send a stock or an ETF our way there that we mm-hmm. might be able to have a look in a future episode. Uh, so, it's not a recommendation. It's just us having a look under the hood about what the ETF is today, how it works, um, how you might use it in a portfolio, yep. um, and just even how to buy it and where to find some more resources on it. Yeah. So, we'll give you a intro to the VAS ETF today and we'll talk about how it's used, how big it is, why it's so popular. Uh, and then you can vote also, typically in the Facebook group. You can head to the Rask Australia Facebook group. Uh, last time we did some um, polling of the community, um, the community recommended their own uh, you know, companies and, and ETFs, um, so much so that they were almost as popular as the ones that we recommended that we take a look at. So, um, if you do want to have your say and you want to give your view on VAS or any of the upcoming episodes that we do, please jump into the Facebook group and, and say good day. Uh, so today we're going to do a bit of an intro into, into VAS, what it does. We're going to talk about fast facts. It's important to remember that we are recording this as he checks his Apple watch on the 8th of July, 2022. So some of the things that we talk about today, we're trying and hopefully the facts and figures are accurate, but they may change. And it's important to remember that because, you know, if we talk about performance or if we talk about fees, Vanguard is continually continually lowering, lowering fees. And if we just talk about anything to do with the, the fund, it may change in time. So, the best p- protocol is the PDS, which will be available on the Vanguard website. Yep. Top holdings will change, all sorts of things like that. So, yep. always, if you're listening to this uh, in the future in 2023, make sure to look at the Vanguard website and just get all the most up-to-date information here because you want to make sure you're fully informed before making any uh, decisions when you're researching. Yep. Cool. I like it, Kate. So, Kate, maybe this one's one for you. Tell us about the VAS ETF. What does it do? Yeah. So, the VAS ETF is one of those core ETFs we talk about that form the center of your portfolio where you can have exposure to Australian shares, US shares. So, in this case, VAS ETF invests in the top 300 companies listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. Mm -hmm. So, you've got everything from BHP and Telstra in there. So, you'll see lots of familiar names, especially in the top 100 in that list. Yep. Um, and it essentially, it aims to track the index of the S&P ASX 300 before taking into account fees, expenses, and tax. So, it's a really low-cost ETF. We'll touch on the fees and how big the ETF is as well. Yep. Um, but it's just a way for you as an investor to get exposure to some of the largest companies that are listed 
in Australia. Yep. So it's important to highlight that you said ASX 300. Yeah, that's a probably a big point of difference when you are doing your comparison. Yeah. So this ETF uh, is the top 300, whereas what you see on the news is the ASX 200. So if Koshi is reading out the news, uh, that would be the ASX 200 that he's quoting. And the, the primary difference is there are 100 or about 100 more companies in VAS versus other ETFs which track the 200. Um, now, in practice, those 100 don't make that much of a difference because those 100 are actually the smallest 100 within the fund. So that's important to highlight. There are ETFs that track the 200 if you are interested in that. Uh, the BetaShares Australia 200 tracks the 200 largest. Uh, the STW ETF from iShares uh, from Spider, sorry, tracks the uh, ASX 200, as does the IOZ ETF, a family favorite here at RASC. That's the iShares ETF. That's the iShares ETF. Uh, and then there are other ETFs which also target Australian shares in different ways. There are heaps of others. So it's just important to highlight the difference that VAS is 300, not 200. Um, tell us a little bit more about the ETF. Like, does it have, does it pay dividends? Does it um, allow for dividend or distribution reinvestment plans? Those types of things. Yeah. So definitely paying distribution. So similar word, uh, just what we use for the, for an ETF. Yep. Uh, so quarterly, yep. generally it's had a long history of paying quarterly distributions. You can use a dividend reinvestment plan. So instead of having the cash paid into your bank account, mm -hmm. you can elect to get additional units in the ETF. Cool. It's been around since May 2009. So that's a pretty long track record for an ETF, yeah, considering most of them have popped up in the last sort of five years. Mm. Yeah. This is um, one of the oldest ETFs as well as being the biggest. And um, that's important because then you can see a track record of the fund that you're looking at. What's important to understand, and a lot of people don't know this unless they've done this type of thing before is that the Vanguard VAS ETF is actually a managed fund under the surface. Like if you look down underneath, it's actually just like any other fund. Hmm. And that fund started in 1997. So this is an ETF that is wrapped around a fund that's been going for even longer than that. That's why when you go to like the Vanguard website or you go to any ETF provider website, there's often two numbers. There's one that says the size of the fund. And then there's another one that says size of the strategy. Yeah. So what these big ETF and fund managers do is they, if they have one fund that's successful, what they often do, like let's say there's a fund that invests in US shares for some random company. What they'll do is they'll make that one fund available to Australian investors, to US investors, to Canadian investors, to mm. European investors. And that's all part of one strategy, but there are different like ETFs to get in to get into it, so to speak, yeah. and so that's what the difference is there. If you if you've ever wondered why they why on the Vanguard website it says strategy fund equals this or ETF size equals this, and they're two different numbers, that's why. Yeah, like just on the VAS um, Vanguard page right now, you've got those two numbers right there. You've got ETF AUM, so assets under management, yep. and then underneath it, you've got total assets under management, which is a much bigger number. Yeah, so I can see on my my screen here. Um, the ETF itself has $11 billion in it, Which invested through it. Huge. Huge, yeah. And then the total uh, strategy has $28 billion. Yeah. So it's a massive, massive fund and strategy. And so those other investors, the ones that aren't in the ETF, might be like super funds. They might be direct investors to Vanguard who had uh, 
invested in the fund before it was an ETF and so on and so forth. So yeah, that's- and that's probably one thing to note when you are on Vanguard's website and looking for information on VAS or any of the other ETFs, it will often say available in other classes and you can pick retail fund or wholesale fund. So if you're looking for information on the ETF, make sure you've picked ETF. But if you're Googling VAS ETF, it comes up straight away with the right page. So- and that's important to know because um, some investors who have more money or who qualify for certain exemptions, like say if they have uh, skills or income or assets of a certain size in Australia, they can access different types of the same fund. And typically what it means is if you have more money, the the Vanguard in this case doesn't have to comply with a lot of the rigorous rules around like compliance or around proving, you know, who you are and what risks you're willing to take, etc. They can just offer you something and it often means that you get it cheaper too. Yeah. And management fees for the VAS ETF, 0.1% per year. So yeah. that's pretty low in our books. Yeah, it is. It's um, So the average of all ETFs, and this is according to the best ETF data, is um, around about 0.5. Yeah. Is so, that including thematic ETFs? That's including thematic okay. ETFs as well as some of those funky ETFs that are like doing like inverse stuff, which can be like mm. 1.5%. And it also includes active ETFs. Which so like Magellan's 1% ETF. or above. Yeah. So they're, they're, they skew it. They're like really um, <laughs> expensive compared to this ETF. But even amongst its direct peer group, this is still cheap. Yep. So, um, and it's coming down. I remember a few years ago, it was 15, 0.15 or 15 basis points. And now it's 0.1 or 10 basis points. Um, and... I remember a few years ago, it was 15 and BetaShares had launched its A200 ETF, which is a direct attack on this ETF uh, for seven basis points or 0.07. And um, at the end of the day, you won't notice a difference unless you've got millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that we uh, we spoke about before we started recording and um, uh, Dave, Dave from Strong Money, is it? Yeah, he pointed out that Vanguard actually does something behind the scenes where it lends some of the stock out. And the fees on the ETF actually in practice are a lot lower than what it's quoted here. So it's actually even better again. Yep. Yep. And the ETF registry just on the fast facts for VAS is computer share. So if you own shares, uh, sorry, units in VAS, you can find all the details by setting up your computer share login and you yep. can elect to do things like dividend reinvestment plans, change your bank account details, change your contact details and make sure you get all those tax documents yep. coming Put your, your way. Put your tax file number time. in yes. because then you can do ATO pre-fill as well. So when you do your tax return, um, everything just gets pushed across, mm. which is so much easier than having all the documents sent to you and then putting it in manually. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So tell us a little bit about Vanguard then, Kate. I feel like most of our listeners have heard of Vanguard, but... Yeah, so if you listen to our episode on the VDHG ETF a few months back... One of our most popular. Yeah, that's also operated by Vanguard. And Vanguard are a global huge ETF provider. And they what they do is they construct all these ETFs and they put them together and they operate them. Mm -hmm, And then you mm -hmm. can just buy units in them. So instead of you having to go and do all the complicated work yourself, Vanguard do the hard work of putting all these products together and you can just buy units and they manage the operations. Easy. Yeah. So um, Vanguard was started by Jack Bogle in the 1970s. It started as index funds um, and then it moved into ETFs. I believe I'm not mistaken when I say this that Vanguard wasn't the first ETF provider. People think that it is because it's one of the biggest, um, but it saw ETFs as a way to get people into its index Mm. funds. And now we have Vanguard here in Australia even offering its own brokerage platform. So it's gone from just index funds to ETFs 
now to having its own brokerage, which you can auto invest and do t- like regular investment plans and stuff mm. into. Yeah, um, Vanguard's really trying to grow in Australia now, and I think the super's coming yeah. soon. It's been in it's been the, rumored. Like yeah, it's been on the way for a while, but Vanguard is very good at having simple and low cost. ETFs and managed mm. funds and other products. No BS um, education as well on their website, which is great. Um, there are some other things to know about Vanguard, I think. One is that it's the amount of money that people have invested with Vanguard now over the years is in the trillions of dollars, right? Trillions. It's yeah. enormous, right, this thing. Um, Vanguard also offer what they call active strategies. So this is, you know, traditional Vanguard ETFs or index funds like this one here just follow the ASX 200 but they have one uh, different variations now that have what they call like value tilts or value strategies which is like where instead of just tracking a standard index that measures the biggest companies they also look for companies that have the best uh, valuations now and that's more active that's more like them saying uh, we don't just do the standard ones. We can do the other ones too, just like everyone else. And the other thing to note about Vanguard is that it's basically, it's mutually owned. So basically what that means is in the United States, the investors in the funds actually, uh, in effect, owners of the fund. And that's why Vanguard's fees continually fall down because the people who are investing in the funds are the ones who basically own it. So then the benefit of lowering fees is benefiting all of those investors. And that's why I think Vanguard is unstoppable. That, that, that single fact is what makes Vanguard unstoppable. Yeah, they've had a huge influence in the global ETF market and the, just the movement of low-cost investing and keeping things simple. So yeah. hats if we, off to Vanguard. If we think about the um, – just one final thing. If we think about the companies over the past 50 years that have transformed um, – I guess, our lives or added the most value to people's lives. People will probably think of like Apple or Google because it helps you search the internet to get information. In fact, um, it's probably Vanguard that has uh, created the most value, value, at least for the Western civilization uh, in the past 50 years. Because not only has Vanguard made like saved you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars each and every year, but it's also saved your super funds because it's forced them to lower their prices and allow them to invest in low-cost strategies. And yes, it's taken money away from the finance industry where the fees are normally big and fat, um, but it's saved so much money. Yeah. So that's a, it's like a, it's a hidden feature of Vanguard that people haven't realized. So worth mentioning. Okay, Kate, who owns the VAS ETF? So we've gone back to just this single fund or ETF. Who invests in it? Yeah, so thanks to our broker partner on the podcast, Perla, who mm-hmm. uh, allow you to invest in shares and ETFs, auto-invest. They've got Perla Micro, Micro yep. um, which VAS is something you can actually purchase on Perla Micro. So they've provided us with some cool data and VAS is actually their number one um, ETF that people are investing in since they launched. Oh, cool. So very popular with investors on their platform. Mm-hmm. It's nearly an even split of male and female. Okay. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. Um, and average age is 33, though Perla does have younger investors on their platform. So yep. there's not as many 60 plus people. Yeah. Um, that's still cool though. 33 years old is the average investor. That's really good. Mate, 20 years ago, yeah. there wouldn't have been a platform in, in the world that had a 33-year-old <laughs> average age of yeah. a, for an investor. Which shows lots more young people are getting involved in investing, yeah, which is fantastic. pretty cool. And they're doing it sensibly by investing in VAS. Yeah. And what Perla 
does, which is really cool, is it often tells users through their Instagram and things like that, the percentage of buyers versus sells on that platform. So that's looking at, okay, in the month of June, how many people bought shares and ETFs on our platform and how many people sold shares and ETFs mm-hmm. on our platform. And generally it's significantly in favor of buying because um, mm. they really advocate long-term investing like we do. Yep. And so for the VAS ETF in June this year, it was 95% of the transactions in VAS were buys. Hmm. So most people are buying for the long-term, they're staying calm during these volatile times and they're not selling. Yep, I like it. So this is really amazing data because to think that people in June 2022, after everyone has just talked about inflation and interest rates have gone up and now we're talking about a recession, people were buying more. That's really, really a credit to everyone. Mm. It's working. It's working. This is often part of that long-term strategy. Yeah. It's not something that you'd be buying and you probably shouldn't be buying and selling it on a daily basis. It's not something you'd be trading. No, you don't trade these types of things. This is something you lock under the bed yeah that was a weird analogy <laughs> so we could lock lo- in the bottom drawer <laughs> we could we could lock it under the bed which sounds a bit spicy but that's okay we'll go with yeah, that i mixed analogies there <laughs> on, but yeah and because you can buy it in pearl or micro so that's if you've only got small amounts of money and maybe you can't um buy whole units of unit, vast yeah. you can invest in pearl or micro and they've 32% of micro portfolios hold VAS. So that's another uh, way to start investing as well. I'm surprised it's not higher. Like if I was, I guess with micro, it's still launching from Perla and it's um, typically smaller balances. So you, you don't diversify as easily, although that's the point of it. Um, I'm surprised it's not higher. I guess that means that maybe people are investing in other things through Perla Micro. Maybe um, they're using a different ETF, but I know there's only selected ETFs. So, Surprised about that. Um, for context, 57% of Perlo Micro users invest in VDHG, which makes sense because VDHG is like a one-stop shop for beginner investors, basically. Yeah. So that would make sense. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised for Perlo Micro users to see VAS increase. Um, okay, this is the, your favorite part of the <laughs> show, Kate. What is the VAS ETF actually invest in? So if you buy... VAS inside your brokerage account, what are you getting? Yeah, I think this is one of the most important bits to actually look at what you're invested in because it's very easy to buy and sell units in this ETF and actually have no idea what's underneath. You can say conceptually, oh, it's the top 300 largest companies in Australia, but what actually are they? What do they look like? That is one of the great things about ETFs is that transparency. So you can go to the Vanguard website right now. You can pause the podcast, search VAS ETF, and just scroll down to the section that's called holdings details, and it will tell you all 300 holdings. Um, It'll break it down by size. So you can see that BHP Mm -hmm. is the largest holding in the VAS ETF, over 10% of the VAS ETF is invested in BHP. Now, you were outraged by this. Well, I just thought it was interesting. So, if you had $100, Owen, invested in VAS, that would mean around $10 of that $100 would be allocated to BHP. So, as an investor, that's quite a lot in one company when you think you're getting 300, which so it's good to conceptualize that a little bit. Are you saying that that's a problem? I don't know. It's just I when you think you're getting 300 companies- What's your problem with BHP? (laughs) I did. I don't. Come on, tell me more. No, I just think it's really interesting to know that the top 10 holdings okay. of um, VAS, and this is very similar with a lot of ETFs, mm. the top 10 holdings make up nearly half of the ETF itself. So things like BHP, CBA, CSL, NAB, Westpac, 
ANZ, all your big banks, Wes Farmers, Telstra, and Transurban. Yeah. So that top 10 make up nearly half of the ETF. So you think, like originally you think you're getting 300 companies, which you are, but the top 10 holdings make up a huge proportion of that ETF. So it's quite interesting when you start to drill down the numbers, what you are actually getting exposure to. So that means some investors that already have, like some of the older listeners might already have large positions in some of these blue chip, we'll call them companies. That means when they invest in VAST, they're kind of adding to that exposure. Yeah. Um, just a side note for Vanguard. Uh, can you please make your weighted exposure chart a pie chart? Like this is where they break up how much is invested in each sector. Like no one does columns. Seriously. Anyway, so for this, it actually, if to your point about 10% being in BHP, there's about 28% in the financial sector, right? So it's not only, this is, so this is a problem that we've known about uh, for a very long time with the whole Australian share market. It's both top heavy and it's narrow. So yeah. what that means is- You've got the top four, you've got the four biggest banks so that's in what, the that's, top 10. Yeah, yeah. So that's why the inside the VAS ETF, 28% of your money is invested in financials. So that would be the banks- but it'll also be things um, that are like financial related. So like Magellan, which is a fund manager, would be in there. And all of those financially type companies, Macquarie would be in there. Um, they're in there. But then the second highest is 25% in materials. So materials and resources. So I think BHP, Rio Tinto, blah, 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 blah. So basically you're getting, what's that? Like close to 53% or 53% of your portfolio is banks and, and resources. Right, So that's another thing to consider. Whereas if you looked at the United States, it would be a much more even spread. You'd have more information technology. You'd have more state consumer staples, discretionary and those types of things in there. So it'd be much more balanced. That's why, Kate, some investors um, don't like the VAS ETF or they don't like the A200 ETF or IOZ or STW. And they go for another ETF called the MVW ETF from Vanek. Now, that only has about 100 companies, but it equal weights them. So, the, the, I mean, in practice, it's, it's funny because that's why people use it. But in practice, the MVW ETF still ends up with about the same weighting to financials. So, it kind of, it's a funny old thing. But um, it's a valid point that you make. You're getting a lot of BHP and you're getting a lot of like Commonwealth Bank. So, I just looked at the, the market cap. So, this is the size of the company. It's like the value of all shares in the company. BHP is worth about $200 billion. The next biggest is CBA at about 160 billion. That's why they're 10% and 8% respectively. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing to know about ETFs. It's not equally spread across those top 300 companies. It is weighted by the market cap. So you are, this will change like in a year's time, maybe CBA is the largest one and not BHP, who knows? But it it is sort of like impacted. So I do think it's good to have a look at the holdings. Yep, cool. So let's talk about the top three holdings, Kate. Do you know what they do? Yep. So BHP is the biggest one, as we just mentioned. Yep. And they dig things. <laughs> they dig things out of the ground. Yes. Yeah. So BHP uh, is a diversified miner. Um, but importantly, in the past six months, it actually sold off its oil and gas business to Woodside. So it split that off. And in doing so, BHP gave um, its shareholders some Woodside shares when it split it off. It also paid... Uh, shareholders a big dividend and um, so BHP is traditionally focused on iron ore copper coal those types of things so heavy mining which for most people they don't like because they want to screen out that stuff I mean that's an ethical debate uh, many people would be willing to have but 
Um, there are ethical ETFs that kind of exclude these types of companies if you're interested in that. But for the most part, BHP has paid dividends. It's been around for, I think, over 100 years now. So it's been around a very, very long time. Hmm. It, I'd say it's a staple in a lot of the Aussie retiree portfolios because it is a big dividend player. Yeah. Another thing that BHP did uh, is it reunified its uh, holding. So it used to be listed on stock exchanges all across the world. Now it's ASX. So in the past, you would be able to trade BHP in London and you'd see like the London share price and then you'd see how it reacted overnight and then predict what might happen in Australia and so on and so forth. But they did a re- reunification. So now that's why you see it's $200 billion in Australia. Um, the second biggest company is Commonwealth Bank, which yeah. Most people would be. (laughs) No, I think most people would be familiar with Commonwealth Bank. You've probably seen one on your street corner. Um, They've been closing lots of branches, though, because it's uh, cheaper to do everything online. But I think CBA is an interesting one because it does focus a lot on its technology. I would have to say, after having a look at the four biggest banks' apps and things, CBA is doing a pretty good job with Comsec, Comsec Pocket. It's just everyday banking app. It has a lot of features in there. So they do everything from home loans to banking. They're integrating fintech. I mean, I was at a fintech conference last year and they're getting into venture capital and all sorts of things. So CBA seem like they're uh, trying to be at the forefront of innovation with banking. Yeah, they have been for about the last 10 or 20 years, to be honest. Like Many of their big banks are built on old, crusty, infrastructures that were like 30 years old you know technology and trying to update that while also making sure people still have access to their money is very complicated but cba is invested in its technology over many many years and all the banks are trying to play catch up but cba is still a long way ahead so that's helped it in addition like it's a massive lender so it gets good credit ratings um it's one of the big four amount of australians has a lot of engineers and compliance people now yep so uh, yeah, like one of the things that maybe people don't know is that the big four banks being NAB, Combank, Westpac, um, and who's the other one? ANZ, mm-hmm. and actually Macquarie's included in this. Yep. They've always had this little advantage that not many people know about. It's that um, they're actually, when it comes to when they loan out money, they don't have to comply with the same risk rules that the other banks have to. So because they're so big, they actually can do internally um, they can. It's a bit complicated, but basically, they can lend, and they can be basically the judge, jury, and executioner of their own lending, um, which means that they can assess their own risk in a different way, um, which has always been an advantage for the big four, and that's why they just keep getting bigger. Yeah, yeah. And one of the other biggest holdings is CSL, so something a little bit different to uh, digging dirt and banking. Yep. Um, biotechnology business, so yep. doing all sorts of things in research and vaccines. It's been quite in the news a lot over the last couple of years with COVID. Um, And when I was having a look, CSL actually stands for Commonwealth Serum Laboratories and was established by the Australian government in 1916 during the war to ensure we had our own supplies to medications because we're worried about supply lines being cut off during the war. Yep. Fun fact for you. CSL, Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, it IPO'd on the ASX in the 90s, I believe, early 90s, like, like Combank. Um, I believe, and um, the investors in CSL and CBA have made a lot of money. If they, yep, if they got in at the very start, yep. <laughs> they Bro, were good I, ones. I would say you've made more money from CSL, I think. Um, but what's interesting, so what does CSL do? They do, if you get bitten by a snake and you need an anti-venom, chances are it comes from CSL. They also do blood plasma collections and things like that throughout the United States. They're massive. Um, and the other thing is they do the influenza as well. 
um, in Australia, people like myself were turning to CSL to see if they could help with um, vaccinations for COVID. And that's not exactly what they did, but they could assist through their laboratories and all that sort of stuff to distribute and, and what have you. So those are the three biggest companies, Kate. They're yeah. all quite diverse, even though we said before that they're, they're, the whole ETF is quite concentrated. Um, they're three really interesting companies. Hmm. Okay. How, I'm just going to throw it throw under the bus here. How could you use VAS in a portfolio? Yeah. So the way I'd see VAS is one of those core holdings. So that yep. eight, maybe 80% of my portfolio is in core mm-hmm. staple long-term holdings that I'm not going to be changing up all the time. So these are things that I don't plan on pressing sell on for a long time. So because I'm invested in, this would be invested in top 300 Australian companies and maybe you also want to have some US exposure and some bonds, some cash around that in the core of your portfolio. And then you do the fun stuff on the side. So yeah, this is one of those. Fun stuff on the side. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you got to give yourself a little Yeah, you do. You have, to, room. you have to have an outlet. Yeah, yeah. But maybe if you wanted a thematic ETF or mm-hmm. crowdfunding or something, you'd put that on the edge, but VAS would be a core ETF. Yep. Uh, I don't hold this one, but there's some other alternatives to VAS that are slightly different but very similar because they're top 200, not top 300. Yep. Um, you've got STW ETF, you've got the A200 ETF, you've got the IOZ ETF. And what was the, the other one you said? I said MVW, which yeah. is ASX slightly 100 equal weight, basically. Another yeah. sort of ASX yeah. top 100. So this is every week across Australia, this is the number one ETF that's purchased inside brokerage accounts. Um, VAS being the one that I'm talking about. Um, and it's that that tells me it's part of people's core portfolio. It keeps lowering its fees, pays franking credits through the ETF. Um, you get you know reliable income because it's spread out over so many companies. It is exposed to financials, so those are some risks and resources, which is another risk. But um, most people would use this in their core. The other one that you could use um, in your core and you wouldn't have this and that necessarily um, unless you were trying to tilt it slightly, is the VHY ETF, which is the high yield version of the VAS ETF basically. And so what VHY does is VHY targets companies with dividends and excludes those that don't pay dividends. So that's the primary focus, like retirees might opt for VHY. Uh, We've done a full video over on the Australian Investors Podcast about uh, VHY and about... Um, STW, A200, IOZ, MVW, and VAS. Like we did all of them in one show. I did that with Drew. And if you, so if you're interested in the comparison of the, the ETFs, that's where you, you can go to learn more. Um, the, the, the number one debate amongst RASC members and our ETF members is A200 or VAS. I chose A200 because at the time it was so much cheaper than VAS. But nowadays... It's very, very much neck and neck. And to be honest, I would probably go VAS if I was starting out today um, simply because the fees keep getting lower. And so that's something to keep in mind. It just keeps getting lower and lower um, or maybe even VHY if I was talking to someone that had an income focus. So, um, I mean, one of my fears, Kate, is that you have all of your funds with Vanguard. And in the past, that's been fine. But there's always, you know, that thing in the back of my mind, which is like, you should probably diversify across ETF providers. Um, So that's something that I think about. Okay, long-term performance, Kate, what can we expect? Yeah, so VAS ETF, a lot of the performance is actually made up from distributions. As we've mentioned, those big companies like CBA and BHP have been known historically to pay pretty big dividends, Mm -hmm. Australia-wise. So when you have a look, um, returns... 
uh, pretty decent. So since inception, which yep. is a long, long time, but a long, long time ago, <laughs> yeah. uh, around nine, oh, just over nine percent. Yep. Um, but ten years, that might be a bit more relevant. Ten point two four percent per yep. year on average. Yep. So it's so, fallen a little bit recently with the overall market, but these figures are end of May. They haven't updated them. Yeah, end of June. May 2022. So 10.24%. And basically, like to Kate's point, um, dividends will make up a portion of this. What you won't see in the financials is, and in the returns is actually the benefit of franking credits. So if you get franking credits, uh, I actually showed on a, in, a, in a live session this week that I did that if you, if you looked at these ETFs over five years, um, the total return, which includes dividends, so total return means share price going up plus dividends. The total return, as we can see in, on our charts on the Vanguard website, about eight or nine percent. If you exclude dividends, it drops to about like three or four percent. Right, that's over five years. Now, if you include franking credits, it's like an extra one or two percent potentially. So, dividends, franking credits make a huge difference. And if you're wondering, like. Or how has the Australian stock market performed over 10 years? Like the whole stock market. You can basically go to the Vanguard VAS website uh, page and you can just take those returns as that's representative of the whole market. And um, just a word of warning here, we've quoted the annualized performance of 10%. This was to March 31, 2022. Um, just remember that past performance is not indicative of future performance. And what I mean by that is it's not just a disclaimer is that over the past 10 years, interest rates have fallen and shares have performed really well. So um, there's no guarantee that you'll get 10% going forward. I think that's really important to remember. It might be 5%, it might be 7%, um, and then it averages out over time. Good to remember. Kate? All right, how do you buy? So if you want to buy units in VAS or Mm -hmm. any other ETF, really, you're going to need a brokerage account. Mm -hmm. Many of our listeners would be familiar with the concept of brokerage accounts. It's really that middleman that allows you to buy and sell ETFs with someone else in Australia or somewhere in the world without having to know who they are or have to find someone to buy your shares or ETFs or vice versa. So you could use something like Perla, which is our partner on the podcast. You could use Comsec. You could use Stake. There's heaps of different platforms. You'd use Vanguard itself? Yeah, the Vanguard personal investor platform. So there's a lot of different ways you can invest. Um, I just recommend picking a couple, having an experiment with them, seeing what works for you because they all offer slightly different features. Yep. Uh, And I would also mention that uh, the VAS ETF is probably best purchased in $1,000 to $2,000 increments, probably closer to $2,000 depending on your your, your brokerage that you're paying. So there are other options. You can do the micro-investing options. There's Comsec Pocket, there's Raise, there's Perla Micro. There are a bunch of them that do it now. and so you can get exposure that way um, with smaller amounts. The share price, just for reference, when we're recording is around about $82, $83. So why that's important is that, you know, for $500, what you might get, we get less than 10 units. So you might um, find that it's easier to use micro if you've got small amounts of money. Um, and that's a, that's worthwhile chucking in there. Kate, if people want to learn more about this ETF, where do they go? Yep. First protocol, if you want to learn about an ETF, is head to the ETF provider's website. So in this case, Vanguard, and just search VAS. Yep. Um, if you search by Google, it probably comes up straight away. Just make sure you're on the ETF page. Yep. Uh, we've like also it. got data on our Best ETFs website. That's bestetfs.com.au. You can look at the VAS report. Mm-hmm. Um, we have probably, we've done it on the Australian Investors Podcast, so I'll link that in as well if you want to 
find a bit more information. Yep, cool. And uh, yeah, so we, we, like I said before, for our RASC ETF service, which is our membership service, um, we although we don't recommend VAS, we could in the future. And um, if you're a member listening to this, you can still jump on there and ask me questions. There's a discussion forum in there now. So you can jump on there and ask me questions about the ETF if you like and why I chose that. Uh, why I chose A200 over VAS, if you want to dive deeper into that. Um, yeah, if you want to join RASC ETFs too, I think that's a, this, this is a natural call out. If you do want to learn more about ETFs and dive a little deeper into all different types of ETFs, uh, head to the RASC website and use the coupon code AFP, not Australian Federal Police, that's Australian Finance Podcast, uh, and you can get membership for 49 bucks. Awesome. Cool. Okay, this is the VAS ETF, the most popular ETF in Australia by a total amount invested. I think it's a bit of fun. I think we're going to have a lot of questions about this in the community. If you do own VAS, please let us know why you like it um, and how you use it. I think that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And thanks for joining me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rask.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au.